and welcome to another installment of Innovation Crush. Crush, crush, crush. Uh, you see, you like how I do my own sound effects? I like that. Yeah, it's, it's a low budget show. <laughs> crush, 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 crush. Um, in case you guys are tuning in for the first, I've never done that before. That's the echo. I've done it was weird. Good. Thank you. It's, yeah, better live. <laughs> in case you guys are tuning in for the first time, this show covers all things innovation, ideas, creativity, uh, amazing people doing amazing things. And today I am here with the one and only MC, Molly Kane. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you tired? Uh, yes. You just flew in. I and did. boy, are your arms and everything else tired. <laughs> You took, my, you took the I, I right took out mind. from under me. <laughs> um, I guess before we get started on all the all the gobbledygook, I have to ask you about yes. um, how about you? How how would you explain what a Molly Kane is? Ooh. Um, currently, she is one hundred percent on uh, on a curious adventure. That sounded really cliche and cutesy. But um, I am spending all of my time in curious space. That's a good yeah. analogy. Yeah, I um, define curiosity in in your context. I love going into. So I like to tell a lot of people because I spend a lot of time in the technology space and um, trying to understand tech just enough so I can refer it and scout it and find it for the guys who are really needing to get deep into it. But, um, when I find something that makes me curious, I'll spend extra time on it. And even preparing for this talk today, uh, here in Indiana, I spent hours on Sunday learning new things that I didn't even know the finer details. So yeah. What was, what was the favorite thing you learned? I, I went into a deep dive project analysis of healthcare.gov, ah. actually. Yeah. Ah. Five years Were late. Were you able to sign up? <laughs> Still waiting. <laughs> Come on. You're actually just checking loading, in on your application loading, process. Loading. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Modem dial up noise. Um, so, uh, since you brought it up, we are here at the Day of Innovation in Indiana. Um, you hail from Texas, yes? I do. Born and raised? Yes. Uh, we are in Indiana. I grew up in Michigan. I live in L.A. You are attached to D.C. in a way, um, which am. we'll get into. Mm -hmm. But as you travel around these different pockets of the world or the country, um, how do you see you know, different innovation hubs being birthed? Because I, th I feel like a lot of it is kind of really tied to the local culture. Yes. Um, as opposed to like... Everybody's talking about VR or AI. Like it's, you know, I think right. it's different around the country. One thing that we always say is that innovation is born from necessity. And I think as I visited several regions, not only in D.C. in particular, they have a lot of need for innovation. <laughs> and then, but there's, you know, we mentioned Detroit. There's Silicon Valley, which was created for a very specific reason, but in, in garages. And... Um, you know, there's Phoenix, there's Indianapolis, there's Dallas, and Dallas is so different from Austin, but they're three hours apart. So right. um, each ecosystem is born from the needs of that community. So it is actually really fun to, to get to know each one. Now, you, did you have a chance to spend some time in Detroit? I did. Yeah. 
Um, Great barbecue. So, <laughs> ah. Yes. Where, oh where, where did you eat barbecue in Detroit? No, I knew you were going to ask me where oh, it is. all right. I don't remember the name. You pull out your uh, so phone. So I will. Your Google I Maps will history. before the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Speaking of Google Maps history yes. and um, just kind of like our digital connections to everything, mm-hmm. um, more recently you've become involved with Homeland Security. Yes. As the director of venture and innovation. Yes. Ah. Yeah, good See, job. No notes. I looked you in the eyes on that one. <laughs> you did. I was veering away. <laughs> You're like, it was, that was piercing. <laughs> that was awkward. Um, no. was somewhat, yeah, what's that day-to-day like? And how did that even come to, you have a really good origin story yes. about how this even became a role? I do. So, yeah. Yeah, so I used to, uh, it was uh, 2016, and I was running the nation's number seven startup accelerator as per Inc. Magazine. And because of that, we were very Googleable. So Homeland Security Googled us and asked for an executive to come meet a delegation in Austin. So I jumped in my car three hours down the road and very nervously presented for about two hours the, um, the state of innovation for Texas. And I got into a little bit of a, a sassy conversation with this guy and didn't remember, you know, introductions go quickly at the beginning. So I had no recollection of what his title was. And I I think that served me better in the end because we could have a really normal conversation and we were bouncing back and forth. Right. Um, at the end of that two-hour conversation, he asked me if I wanted to be a Fed and it was the chief information officer for Homeland. And I told him no. That uh, they were, no, I, and, you, <laughs> and nobody listening can see what I'm doing, but I'm just like, you guys are so boring and just waving across the table. And um, he asked me if he could convince me and flew out three weeks later with the chief technology officer. And over a Tex-Mex dinner, we agreed that I would join their team. I fell in love with the, the mission and the goals that they were pursuing. And it just seemed like the right fit. Um. I guess those mission and goals, like what actually spoke to you at that point in time? Um, and I'll be talking about this today too, but uh, they they challenged me to figure out a sustainable way to implement innovation. So not just pursue innovation, but the implementation part of it is something that they felt was missing. And, uh, you know, there's a variety of ways to bridge that gap through connections with the startup ecosystems and the venture capital guys and and better technology even created in our R&D departments. But um, implementation is where the metrics actually matter. Mm. And if Congress is ever going to see any improvement in our organization, we have to have that measurable value that innovation has brought. Uh, Something that struck me at the very beginning of that story is you eagerly hopped in your car, but you're yeah. also nervous. So there's oh, like this yes. eager versus Very. fear. <laughs> I think we just all experience on a daily, yeah. you know, a daily basis. Yeah. But like at that moment in time, like what was, what were you eager about? What were you fearful of? Yeah. And it's actually a big pet peeve of mine when people say they're, they're fearful or they're coaching people to not be scared. Yeah. Um, that doesn't make sense to me because I usually use that as an indicator that I'm about to do something very interesting. And if I'm scared of it, I haven't done it before. So I know that I need to. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's great. Um, so we talked about this before, but this idea of implementation, and I, I love the fact that, I mean, one of the things I talk about is, I mean, not that I love what I talk about. I, <laughs> I, I like changed lanes in my about. sentence, and it came off as <laughs> I liked it. It was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but innovation is a process, right? Mm -hmm. it's, and it's, the process is far more important than the end results, because right. you may set your eyes on a, you know, on a particular goal, but the discovery and, and the things that happen along the way. And you said that that's one of your key metrics is sort of like the implementation, but walk us through the process piece of yeah. what, you, what you do. Um, so in very academic verbiage, I call it throwing noodles against the wall constantly. Very academic. Yes. Um, I have thousands, and I'll use another analogy that my team always knows that I use, is I've got thousands of things baking on my brain plate I actually have a plate with a brain on it because I said it so much and one of my my team members bought me one. Not a real brain. It's not a real brain. Okay. But it is uh it has a beautifully drawn I would have to call Homeland Security yes, if you it would be had an a issue. Real... Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, I bake a ton of ideas and I'm constantly pushing those ideas and I encourage my team to do the same and I love sitting in meetings where I have no business being in them from a conversational or um, my background. I don't know that much about drones, but if I'm sitting in there in a conversation with our executives talking about the requirements that they've got for drones or their big wish list, things like that, I can park it in my brain and I can go to a national laboratory six months later and remember that conversation and go back to it. So a lot of it is uh, just constant pivoting that, but in a, in a higher level sense, a 30,000 foot view of, um, all right, that idea is not ready to come off the plate. And that idea is, and oh my God, we just hired a person who understands yeah. that concept and we can run with that idea. So. It's kind of like the uh, intersection of preparation and serendipity. Yes, it is. It uh, is. So, I, you know, and I think under that, you, there's a phrase that I love, which is um, know enough to be dangerous. Right? You don't ah, have to be an expert yes. in drones. You don't mm -hmm. have to be an expert in air. But you do need to know at least right. the, you know, the, the mechanics and the basics of how it yes. works. And, have a, and I think in some cases that naivete kind of mm -hmm. helps along oh, yeah. the way. So um, I don't know. Just talk about that part of like not knowing what you're doing, but also yes, knowing what you're doing. You're hitting the nail on the head. Well, um, and that kind of goes also into I like being the dumbest person in the room because that means I'm learning from everybody there. And I, I do play dumb so that I can just learn. And I ask really really layman's level questions mm -hmm. about complex things so that whenever I have a conversation with somebody, I run into somebody at Starbucks who might have that kind of expertise and I would never know it otherwise unless some of these word triggers go off. So I, my greatest skill is bizarre connections mm -hmm. and very unrelated connections. And that has served me very well because usually in a hierarchy and a bureaucratic organization, which I... They frustrate me so much, but I actually love spending time in them because they have a process of rank and and procedures and formal, like they've they've drafted step one, two, three, four, and that's not how you get to the ultimate answer or the best answer. So I, I just kind of shop around and make sure the executives that I support have awareness of things that they would never have thought. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so this, uh, this all came to fruition a couple of years ago, a year and a half? Yeah, ago? I joined them almost two years now. Okay. Um, November, end of November. Um, and with that, obviously you have no governmental experience. Am I correct? I The first day I stepped foot in D.C. was my employee orientation. <laughs> You're like, what a nice place. <laughs> yes, this is beautiful. <laughs> I really enjoyed getting to know it, but right. it is, um, Do you know, you I am an outsider. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Can you point me to So you're an outsider. House? How, how, I don't know how candid you could be or not, or if it even requires you to be candid, <laughs> but like how accepting were they of you? Because I find like sometimes, Ooh. I've been in a lot of environments where I don't belong, right? Yeah. Like I, was, I worked at Machinima for a very long time, mm-hmm. and I'm not a gamer nor a fanboy. I mean, I have a PlayStation 3. Like, I'm like, <laughs> they you look know, at you so, like you have so, three you know, heads. a lot of it was yeah. like just political negotiation, right? Like, yep. um, I, can, I can be here, but right. and then they, it takes a while to gain that trust. Yeah, so um, it runs the gamut. Um, As you can imagine, people who really honor the process, whether that is, and it's usually social rule, I call those blue laws, um, the cultural laws that people who are very comfortable in their atmosphere, and there's nothing wrong with that, you just don't get further ahead, or you, you can't change an organization in a dramatic way if you're comfortable with the status quo. And there's a lot of reasons that people in the federal world are comfortable with status quo. It, number one being there's not that much motivation to make big changes. There's no, there's unfortunately no financial incentives like in a large corporation where you can have bonuses and, right. and equity and get your shareholders all excited. Our shareholders are uh, critical, skeptical citizens of America, including us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the most difficult culture to be in. Um, but to that end, I have found what my my friends and I have called Fox Hill allies. And mm-hmm. when I talk about crazy, wild ideas, which wild to them is let's try a new form, you know, <laughs> <laughs> let's try Let's go Not in a form the, factor. You mean yeah, like a literal like like a form. Little pa- paper form or let's <laughs> let's go in the other door today, you know, things like that. um, Those are disruptive to their way of being. And every week, especially when I'm in DC, it's every single day, but every week I will hear from somebody who feels the same and they'll reach out to me uh, with their own white papers that they've written over weekends. And they'll come up to me after I speak. And um, I have I have discovered this underground army of uh, there's a, there's some folks in DOD. They call themselves the virtuous insurgency, and I can absolutely relate to that. Um, there, there's no end, and I know I haven't met them all, obviously, but there's no end to people who want to see change in the government and feel like being a federal employee might be the best way to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm one of them, but uh, they just. There, there's not enough of a groundswell for it to be obvious yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned, I'm going to go back to the form for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, is innovation relative? Yes. Because, yeah, you know, I think a lot of times we it's look at it as this like grand change. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, look at this disruptive. Sometimes it is just changing the way you think about something Absolutely. small, and that's the baby step that gets you there. But is mm-hmm. has that been something you've discovered or I um, this is the most humbling job that I've ever had in my life and it also is one where 
I learned really quickly that coming into an organization as someone with experience in the startup world, the, the government knows it needs that kind of background and that kind of expertise, but it has to be introduced in a, in a non-terrifying fashion. And I haven't mastered that. I'm, <laughs> you are terrified. I'm, yes, I'm very scary. Um, <laughs> but disruption, I changed my own definition of disruption when I got there. And I've learned how not to sell ideas. I've learned how to sell them. I've learned how to figure out the weird system so that in eight months we could eventually start that idea. Right. But the, the legwork that's required in an organization as complex as the federal government and Homeland Security in particular, because um, you know, Homeland is crafted from 22 components that existed before the first Tea Party. I mean, half of them. And it, it's longstanding cultures that have survived because it is a culture, so that's great. But then there, there's reasons that it hasn't progressed far enough in a lot of ways to right. a lot of us that are looking outside and those of us on the inside as well. And that's the part that we've got to disrupt, but we have to do it with respect and honor of the folks who were there first. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of dots and stakeholders to connect. Dots and bridges, and, yeah, yes, a lot. How do you... I guess over over the brief time that you've been there, how have you learned to navigate that matrix, right? Like, where's the starting point? Or is it, or is it different for everything that you want to try to implement? I have. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. It, people listening can't see all the faces that I'm making. <laughs> um, I have learned. Who was it that said the, the quote? Was it? I'm going to embarrass myself. It's like Ben Franklin. I found a thousand ways oh, that yeah. didn't work. 10,000 ways. 10,000 ways. A light bulb. Yeah. So um, 500,000 ways that don't work <laughs> is, is kind of my, my motto. Um, I hit the ground running on my first day thinking that the two guys who hired me over Tex Next Dinner were not the only ones that believed the same thing as I did. Do you remember what, what was the meant? I the always have. I have enchiladas every time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, I I thought everyone was on board with the idea. So I flew in like Luke Skywalker. <laughs> and um, that is not for anyone who's going to take a federal job going forward. Don't do that. Yes. Um, I've learned that Yoda is a better role. And um, I certainly ruined relationships early on just because I was the wild and crazy blonde girl with, with ridiculous shoes and bright pink dresses and coming in to swoop in and save the day. Right. And I don't belong there, according to that stereotype in that office. And so um, I have absolutely learned that I need to understand significantly more about the culture before I present certain things. Um, TEDx, for, for one, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know exactly what that is, but that's new to people who have worked in the government for 30 years. They might not have ever, most of them have not been to a TED. Right. I believe, Like TED who? Yeah. Who's TED? Samuelson? We don't, we don't need more staff. He died three years yeah. ago. <laughs> um, but I, um, so a win it, from that perspective was me just simply getting the license and then writing about it on LinkedIn. And I recruited people who are then going to be owning the TED event because I got the license and I found my other TED like fans. Right. 
um, it, that did not work out how I would want it to. So, I mean, much like the talk I'm giving today is when your moonshot lands on the roof, that's exactly one of them, is I wanted to see this beautiful, and I wanted to run it, this beautiful TED, TEDx conference, TEDx DHS. That's a mm -hmm. killer license. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to see that one through fruition because it's going to take a year of documentation and approvals and things like that, right. but it now it exists, which is cool. No, it's, and it's it's funny we um, when we were talking on the phone, we talked about like almost reframing the idea of what a win is, mm -hmm. right? And and I've had experience managing teams, and for every like one cool thing we get to do, there's fifty to a hundred that are <laughs> right. just we've just spent a lot of energy and yeah. time on, and it's disheartening. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like you're up against a lot of odds. Yes. Like, how do you maintain your enthusiasm? And I'm I'm assuming you have a team too, yes. Yeah. So how yeah. do you like? How do you reinvigorate on a daily basis? Um, you are spot on. It can be really deflating. And um, I've learned, and I don't, I don't ever want to recommend this to folks, but I'm, I'm accidentally going to anyways. But if you tell the wrong person your ideas in a space that's heavily bureaucratic and very status quo comfortable, you lose them instantly. Yeah. If it's a really great idea, someone steals it, and then they don't call you to be part of it. Mm -hmm. And that that sucks. And so that's happened a few times. Other times, um, it's messaged the wrong way to the right person, and people carry the water for me on behalf of not seeing it come to light. So, um, And I hate being negative about all of it, because we've had, we've had a lot of really cool wins, but um, the ideas that I am personally the most passionate about, I have learned who to go to for help, how to build that momentum up, right. how to build, um, how to build credibility and how to pitch it the right way. And coming from startup world, I had the great assumption. I knew exactly what a pitch should be. And I did not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's like reading the room, but you have to learn the room. I, right, I had yeah. the pleasure of interviewing a friend of mine, Emily Chang, who recently became the CMO of Starbucks China. Oh, wow. And her, um, her first 11 weeks, she did nothing. They just sent her to different Starbucks to sit, observe, yep. ask questions, see. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't draft any ideas. We don't. <laughs> we don't want to hear anything you have to say. Don't be cray, girl. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it, there is that balance. Like you do want to go in and kind of show that, that you're valuable. Because mm -hmm. the one thing I've I picked up on this is that you know your first ever, like as far as this practice inside of the right. Homeland Security. And you're, you know, in many ways, you're responsible for creating first efforts. Right. So it's a duality right. there that's kind of like hard and, to. And I am, and I, I think anybody would approach it in their own unique way. So I'm, I'm sure there's other people who would have done it better or differently. Um, for me, just the mere existence, like you said, just the mere existence that it came to be and someone has this role um, I recruited, unofficially recruited my first teammate and my first team member. And I, if I'm the director of venture, then I therefore called her the de deputy director of venture. 
well, we heard a lot of things about needing to fill out the forms and all the things. The and new forms. All the new forms. <laughs> and there's process, apparently, that you need to go through with some of that. And she just recently moved on and up, which I'm very excited about, but she moved on and up to an industry role. And that role is now a permanent position on our team because we created it. Right. And it might not ever have been her in a formal capacity, but the next version, version 2.0, is. So that is a win. Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've got a lot of those that that we've collected and we're excited about. And it, just starting something, and that's like one of the heaviest bullet points in, uh, in innovation conversation is just starting something gives you something to iterate. And right. that's what we're trying to do. That's great. Um, as you talk about that, how do you keep your own set? Like, is there some internal practice that you, you, uh, you do? For sanity? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, because I mean, it can yeah. be a nerve wracking environment, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and I, I know the pains of bobbing and weaving and retooling mm -hmm. and recalibrating and then going and pitching again and like all the hurdles. And, and I think we glorified innovation again yeah. is in product I'm like oh look what we made right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah and even yeah. even in my book sorry even in my book i write about this idea of micro failures mm -hmm. right it's not like you lost 10 million dollars right. it's like every day there's a new thing that's just a small scratch that is an, is an annoyance and then they start to add up right um but yeah. a, eventually you have to like come to a place where you reconcile that internally and mm -hmm. that's what i'm, I'm yeah no that's a great question um yeah, I the micro failures are a daily thing, but they're also you've you've learned which way doesn't work. And I I also describe my job as standing in the middle of a library every single morning when I wake up and I'm pressing the books of spines and seeing what hallway opens up, what mm -hmm. secret doorway goes in, and then I land in another library and I have to go down another wormhole in another hallway and that kind of thing. So, um the, it's not a failure to press the spine of a book and it doesn't open. It's just, ah, that one didn't work. Okay, we'll yep. go, we'll try another one. Um, it does pile up. It, it piles up when you really care about seeing change and you accept a role like this where you want to impact change. And I took the role specifically to work for these guys. And I love the passion that they exuded when they were telling me about their jobs. And no one goes to the federal government to get rich, ever. And I considered it, I didn't realize how important civil service might. Don't. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, yeah, okay, yes, the, <laughs> edit sorry, that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, the federal side of civil service, not the political right, side. Right, but okay. um, yeah, the, I, didn't, I didn't join to make money, I joined to make a difference. And that, puts emotion and passion into it. So when I have a, a stacked up set of learnings, and we'll put those in air quotes, um, I know when I'm about to be like devastated and frustrated and uh, meditation is magical. Mm -hmm. I love float tanks. Have you ever uh, done I, a float tank? You know what? I've been invited to one several times and Ooh, I haven't done it. Why? There was one that opened up like right around this corner from my house. Really? And I finally decided to go and yeah. it was closed down. Yeah. They're not super popular, but they're wonderful. Um, but I have been to a root beer float tank. Oh, whoa. That's how that I gained sounds, all this weight. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was really real. Uh, now it is. We just <laughs> like, invented something. Someone needs I bet, to you, I bet you introduce that to Homeland Security. Like, that's a win. They would probably be into that. 
Um, oh my goodness, too many beer jokes coming. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, you know, federal employees have televisions too. And we see what people see. We see what our families see. My mom's quilting group has an opinion about my job. Like, and bless their hearts, I love them all. But everybody, everyone has an opinion about how this business should be run. And I forgot that when I signed up for it. And then I remembered also, I'm a citizen as well. So I care mm. about what's happening on television too. Um, that part makes this one of the hardest jobs I've ever had in my life. Because it's not just work. It's also our lives. It's my family's life. It's my friends. It's yours. Right. Um, and especially with Homeland Security, it's it's one of the more polarizing topics out there right now. Oh, absolutely. So it wears on your heart. And I have to remember that only I can do only what I can do. And I can do more if I do it with other people. And that's that's how I kind of make make that right in my head. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you can talk about um, <laughs> that you you know that you're looking to implement? You know, because I think when you again when you have your grander visions yeah. of what's possible, and then you start to get into the nitty gritty of like let's take some baby steps together. But like what what is a goal that you have in mind? Like, do you want the drones inside the airports? I like I <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of it would be kind of cool to see. Um, so from a technology perspective, I I can't get into too much of what we we shop around for, but I could go to a higher level and say that I believe that the the office of venture should be introducing our executives to the tech that they need to buy today but the awareness of the technology that they need in 10, 15, 20 years. Because mm -hmm. if they're building something today without the consideration of 5, 10, 15, 20 years out, we're going to have to remodel it uh, like healthcare.gov style. So um, not having a proactive awareness of the tech trends. And I mean, I don't have to tell anybody that technology is changing faster than we can implement that. Sure. So... I, I live with a daily panic. It's a healthy one, but I live with a daily panic that part of my role, my awareness of the venture capital community, the startup ecosystem, and the trends that are outside of D.C., I need to bring that to the guys. So one of the things I'm extremely passionate about is creating innovation tours and turning them into an, a truly immersive awareness educational experience for our highest executives and avoiding theater where they tromp through the hallways of a startup accelerator or a venture capital firm or, you know, badass technology buildings like NVIDIA and places like that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and do nothing when they get home. Right. And that's something that um, I do believe is something that I can offer them. So we're working on the pre and postmortem activities, the 30, 60, 90, uh, even a year out understanding of here, let's commit to these pre-goals and, heck, let's sit down. If you don't truly know why you're going on this trip, you're not going to get the most value out yeah. of it. So helping them understand problem statements and having at least a very high-level purpose right. for going on that trip will change how they shop and how they look and how they interact with these startups and, and these experts when we're on the road. And... Um, then we stop talking and we actually start learning and then we get home and we can actually implement it. That's great. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think that's 
I find like if you're doing true innovation, you do a lot of talking with your hands. Yes. Especially in That's like what like, I've been doing yeah. on this. And yeah. this thing does this and then it can do that. And people are like, ah, yes. oh, yeah. it sounds cool, but sounds it's a good. completely different ball game mm-hmm. when they get to put their hands on something right. and go like, oh, because everybody starts to filter it through their own life experience right. and job requirements. Mm-hmm. And then you start to build consensus around things. Well, and you also, I mean, even at events like what we're at today, Everyone gets excited when they're in it, and then they go home, and then they sit back at their desk, and they have all these priorities, and I have never been more shocked at how many priorities and things that these guys have to care about, Mm -hmm. and those are life-and-death situations. Those uh, Those matter to their families and to their employees and it's it's such a deep responsibility that it's great to get on the road and see cool tech yeah. but if we can't help them understand which ones they have to parse through so that they can plan to buy that and divert budget or even 10% of their time to that when they get home we've wasted the opportunity yeah um no that's that's great and i guess i guess last I have so many questions about them, but I want to switch gears <laughs> soon. Yeah. Um, the when you think of things, because I was thinking about how high the stakes are, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. More so than most people who've been on my show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not right on that. I respect all of you. I, no, I like all like, of you. It's, it's a it's a it's a real thing, right? Like yeah. if, if there's a failure here, it's not mm-hmm. like oh somebody got this into my Facebook account. This could impact all of us. Right. Yeah. And so what I was, but then I was making that comparison to sort of the Facebook breaches and things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, have you? touched on like the social media environment of things and how that's sort of an entry point for some threats? Um, So I haven't spent any time on it personally, but it is absolutely something. And and interestingly, um, our highest of high executives are deeply connected to some of all the companies that you and I know off the top of our heads. And um, they, they have it from a learning and listening perspective and not it's one where I really honor the executives at Homeland that know what they don't know. And then they also are in a very sharing and collaborative mode right now because mm-hmm. this stuff really matters and they get it. Um, you know, with the election coming up, that certainly matters. Um, I spend more time in the space where it, I we call it the art of the possible. Mm. And I really, really love seeing what, It's something that Adam Grant, um, who wrote the originals book, I don't know if you spent any time with him, but he calls it burstiness, Hmm. where you can put a number of people, and it doesn't have to be senior executives, it could be anybody on any staff, but I saw this happen live with 30 people in Silicon Valley in May. It was the coolest thing. When you see the guy from FEMA and the guy from TSA and customs and... uh, DOJ, you see all these guys see a tech that matters to Mm -hmm. them. They light up and they feed off of each other. And that's experiences that I've truly enjoyed being part of because it's it's something they would not have experienced or seen or even discussed amongst themselves in D.C. Well, even going back to the whole disheartening part or the deflating part of it, the the one thing I used to to do with my team is say, you know, the win isn't always the project that we get to implement. The win is like seeing somebody's face light up right. when you show or tell them about something. And because right. you can't unknow something. So right. especially something that like moves you. Right. So yeah. um, it's just that like habitual and repetitive, like taps on the shoulder of like, hey, mm-hmm. here's something else cool. And then they start to slowly come on board. Yeah. And I, it, it, cliche as it might be, I 
I knew that I would be serving in an entrepreneurial role internally. I just didn't really know. Right. And it is an entrepreneurial roller coaster that I feed off of those wins, the technology that they were exposed to and, and what I know has continued on from some of those conversations excites me so much, even a loud mouth like me. And I can't, (laughs) I can't share all the information from that thing, but that's, that lets me put my head down at night and know that I contributed to our homeland, which is really neat. Segway coming up. Yeah. You ready for a segue? I am. So what, you know, coming from this sort of startup incubator accelerator world, um, where you're also a Forbes 40 under 40 at one point in time. Ah. Um, well researched, my research yeah, team. You Googled Also me. the sound effects team. <laughs> so uh, um, what have you learned here, like in Homeland Security, that kind of you'll be able to take back to that world and help you improve and become oh. number six? Yes. On oh. the list. Oh, I like that. Done. Goals. Um, <laughs> I have absolutely learned, and, and I've learned for sure that the government is not terribly different from the financial world, from the telecommunications, utilities, oil and gas. They're very similar. Anything that could be considered bureaucratic, which is not, you know, the government doesn't have all the territory around bureaucracy. Um Older organizations everywhere experience this. So I have, I, I know how to coach startups and early stage founders and technologies and talk to them about meeting with venture investors and angel investors and even potential customers. But I've now lived on the other side. I see, I see the stress that they have when they haven't gotten a response in 48 hours. And I hate telling them that I think that they're probably going to get bought in 18 months. You know, and the it, you will wear yourself down as a startup founder if you think that silence is a no right. in an organization like that. And so I will take that back and understand I have much more empathy for the inside and what is actually potentially happening behind the scenes when you don't hear back. So there is that. Um, and then helping both sides communicate, like one side is speaking a completely different language than Absolutely. the other. And we, we all know that, but now that I've lived it, I, I have watched that crumble amazing deals because of misunderstanding. So, mm. um, I have a master's degree in, and this is not literal, but I have collected that proverbial master's degree in understanding this culture and I haven't mastered the culture, but I, I know it now. And, and I, I think I could probably plug and play anywhere and, and hopefully be a value to a startup founder that is wondering how to get into business with the government. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't imagine that little Molly Kane thought that she was going to be doing all this stuff. No, she didn't. <laughs> she, uh, she actually wanted to be an architect. And this is very different. <laughs> Just architecting businesses. Yes. Protecting wild ideas. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of which, so Wildcatters has been a thing for you. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit also about Glass Heel because I think oh, that's um, yeah. it's pretty interesting. Even um, though I'm not a member, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah. clandestine operation. You can be. Uh, <laughs> so I I kind of put it on the shelf when I joined the government because I wanted to go all in, and you never know all the policies and procedures and things you have to fill out. So I kind of took a pause with that one, but that was my first startup. And I launched that in 2011. 
And the premise of it initially was upgrading the boardroom one woman at a time. And in seven years, I've completely transformed my opinion of needing more women in that space. And now I just want people, regardless of how they identify, to invite women to the table. Um, I, I completely believe what Sally Ride said, that you can't be what you can't see. Mm. And I've seen that and experienced it myself. And I know several of the ladies that I've mentored in the past, like, I don't know if they would pursue more interesting careers for themselves if they didn't see me or any of my mentors pursuing that. So um, Glass Heel has kind of turned into more of what do you want to be? Let's get you there. Mm. And um, I also took a little bit of a pause on it because I really I feel uh, I feel like I misled everyone in thinking that it's a woman's job that to get ourselves to the top. Right. Um, I really want to charge men to be feminists and uh, help us get there. We're not going to get there if we try it's to do all, it ourselves. It's all collaborative, right? There's, a, there, really there's a degree of like, fuck it, I'm kicking the door in. Yes. And oh, yeah. I am. Hey, oh, guys. Yeah. Put good to choose on <laughs> if you're going to do you that. Know, yeah. But then, like, I think you touched on this a lot mm-hmm. with finding your champions, even yes. within the government or within a glass heel type environment Absolutely. or wherever you go. Like, and especially, I think, from an innovation perspective, because you are the person that's bringing the different thinking that people aren't used to. And they're like, what is that person talking about? Right. And somebody inside has to go like, no, 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 she's amazing. <laughs> and like, just just stick it out for a, little, yep. a minute. And the space that I hang out with, usually I'm, I'm hanging out with uh, the IT nerds. And yeah. that's, you know, the STEM space. We have a lot of facial hair. Yes. Um, But the space that, you know, the STEM space, we have a lot more ladies pursuing that and and younger girls and and that's super exciting. But there is no woman that hangs out in the IT area and wants a a badass career that has not been helped by a man Mm -hmm. in some way or invited by a man or mentored by a man. So I want to honor those guys. And I know for sure I wouldn't be where I am without my male mentors. So that's something... Um, Glass Heels, you know, next life is going to include those guys because it's not a woman. It, it's not just us. It's not just the ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so as we begin to wind down, yes. uh, the show is called Innovation Crush. Hopefully I, I told you that earlier. Crush, crush, crush. All right. I forgot. Sorry. Crush, crush. We're good. <laughs> you, you, you're getting your sound yeah, effect game yeah. tight. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've seen a lot. Yeah, yes. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you currently have a crush on? And it doesn't have to be in your day-to-day work. It can Ooh. be uh, something you saw on the planet. I don't know. Like it, mm. I'm not inside your head yet. Oh my, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a crush on watching people get it. And we, we talked about the burstiness. We talked about those things. But there's a moment where something clicks. And it's usually about, and I it's been clicking for me over the past two years, five years, since day one where I knew everything when I was like 23. I was the <laughs> smartest person in the room. Um, the fact of, of personal humility and and transparency and then also so much awareness that we don't know anything Mm -hmm. genuinely and spending time with folks that are completely different than us I am really enjoying interacting with those people who are figuring out the same thing yeah and I've been on a personal journey for probably the past five years that 
Um, I, I'm veering into a wormhole with this description, but um, the my favorite place to be is the Amtrak train in mm-hmm. the cafe because it's a between DC and New York. It is a two and a half hour road trip with someone interesting. I will always talk to somebody. I've written a ton of blog posts about the unique things that I've learned. I, I became intimately empathetic with the teaching ecosystem and mm. their industry. When I met a 26-year-old teacher who was taking the train to New York to quit her teaching job and work for a startup because she was tired of seeing her colleagues kill themselves. Wow. And wow. Yeah. And and I, like, we've stayed in touch. Yeah. And I just felt so bad. She was 26. She had yeah. taught for three years. That was it. And then you think about teachers who have taught for 20, 30 years. Like, what do they feel? What's heavy on their hearts? And so all of that gives me more understanding and insight and awareness of my own career. But that's what I'm kind of nerding out yeah. on right now is, is meeting other people where they are. Well, something interesting just about the idea of curiosity and mm-hmm. um, and genuine curiosity, right? Like yeah. where you found a level of depth with this person. I'm like, oh, right. yeah. oh are the kids weird? <laughs> like yeah. it was like, oh, people are dying. Yeah. Um, and whatever yeah. that short span of time was, do you th- and, I, and this is something I'm always trying to crack the nut on. Do you think that curiosity is something that can be taught? I think... Um, there's one thing that can be taught and then the rest of it is up to that person. It's um, be willing to be wrong. Mm-hmm. Your assumptions of everyone are probably wrong. I've learned, I've, I've realized that myself. We all have, um, those of us who have never worked in the federal space before all have a stereotype in our mind of what a federal employee is mm-hmm. like. They blew my mind with how amazing and mission driven and committed and talented they are most of them. And um, it's always the bad ones in the bunch that give that stereotype, of course. But the ones who are amazing aren't trying to prove themselves. They're just trying to get their job done. So that part was amazing. But um, yeah, the curiosity thing, what can be taught is empathy towards others and awareness that you have no idea that your perception is probably wrong. Mm. That's great. Yeah. Um, is blockchain going to save the country? Probably. Um, <laughs> it, it helped Estonia. It could help us, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's okay. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, t- new, new tagline. That's, that's otter. That's an otter statement than you think. <laughs> we could, yeah, we could talk no, for an well, hour about that one. I went to Estonia recently. <laughs> Were you really? So, yeah, oh. yeah. So I'm, I, They're it, very cool. They, it, that's what I've been, yeah, yes. I've been hearing. It's pretty What amazing. is it? The most modern country on the planet? Is that yeah. what they're claiming? Yeah, I, yeah. I could see it being true. I met their CIO and... Um, they farmed out so much of the crap that the government usually has to do mm-hmm. to the private sector, and now that now it's working, shocking. Yeah. Well, it's, okay, I'm gonna stick with yeah. this for one quick second. Yeah, because <laughs> um, I'm a blockchain skeptic in the sense that if it's a catch-all, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like you know. Well, it's a beautiful buzzword. It is. I was gonna. Yeah. I, I joke with people. It's like if you say your company does something with blockchain, you'll probably get an investment, like right. verbally, like right, yeah, <laughs> crypto, right, yeah. Um, uh, and but I feel like, and, and this probably goes back to your current job. Uh, anything that can is created can be breached. Yes. Right. Like. Yeah. So as secure as it makes as people are talking about it, there's always a, like that's a that's, to me that's mm-hmm. an, a, an invitation to a challenge. <laughs> 
right? Like if I'm a hacker or if right. I'm just, you know, an asshole or whatever, yeah. somewhere it's in like between. It's like the guy that said you can't, uh, you you can't get into my social security number or hack me, and then what? He's been hacked like millions of times. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone takes that as a dare, but. Um, yeah, most of the people I think talking about blockchain don't know about it well enough. <laughs> right. um, I'm probably one of them. And it is a really great buzzword. It's like everyone knows that's where the money is going right now or that's where a lot of the curiosity and a yeah. lot of the learning and uh, a lot of investments and things like that. So if you're not talking about it, then you surely aren't smart enough, that kind of thing. Right. But um, yeah, it's it's... We're going to learn about it over the next, you know, one, three, five, ten years. I have an idea, which is a blockchain root beer float tank. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Literally. you got to get in the root beer float tank. That is a very secure tank. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last but not least, complete this phrase for me. Ooh, okay. Innovation to me is? Trying. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. That's that's good. Uh, Because, I mean... That part never stops. Right. Like that's probably the most consistent part of the process is, is trying. It's, yeah. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. Did you have a good time? I did. Did uh, you? Uh, it was okay. You know. We could try it again. <laughs> no, it was awesome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, where can people find you? Find more, So you have, um, you have a blue check mark on your Twitter handle. So I do. You're, you're, yeah. you're official. I am. You're a real um, person. Molly Kane on Twitter is where I put all my sass and some of my smarts. <laughs> All right. Thank you, uh, everyone. This has been another installment of Innovation Crush, and we will talk to you next time.